We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Good evening, everybody. We are back fielding the 68, Field the 68's bracket show. It's been less than 24 hours since the last time we were live. Uh, no, I'm not Greg. No, I'm not Jim. No, I'm not Kai. This time, instead of being on the side, my name is Lucas Harkins. I'm hosting tonight. I'm here with Brad Wachtel and Rocco Miller, two of the best bracketologists in the business. How are you guys doing today? Are you getting enough sleep? It's been a few late nights this week. How are you doing? Doing great, Lucas. Uh, obviously, we're not sleeping much at all um just monitoring the scores and you know hoping the the bubble sorts itself out yeah similar boat i uh i got back really late wednesday from vegas last flight home i, I haven't felt normal since uh but that's fine because we have basketball on and that always makes me feel a little bit better and um you know th these games have been pretty fascinating um you know one interesting thing yesterday was um, almost every year in one tournament, a number one seed loses to like an eight or a nine. I looked at every single conference. It didn't happen. Um, so I felt like something was missing yesterday. So be beyond that, um, I'm, I'm doing good, but I, that makes me a little depressed. I love the upsets. Always. And obviously we had a show last night, but let's use that as a bit of a launching pad. A big, busy night last night. When you look at the results from last evening, what was the biggest one for you guys in terms of what, what maybe impacted your field and the thick of it or on the bubble? Yeah, so there were definitely a number of results, but one one that started to raise eyebrows a little bit was Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh lost to Duke. Um, Pittsburgh was a team, you know, a few weeks ago, seemed to be relatively safely in, um, probably had them around the 9 or 10 line, uh, but they lost by, they got blown out against Duke, um, and their metrics took a monster hit. Um they suddenly went from a team that should be in to a team that will be lucky to be in, uh, depending on how the results go for the rest of the weekend. Uh, there are some concerning items for Pittsburgh. They have a net of 67. They have not won a game against high Q1 opponents. Um, they're under 500 against Q1 and Q2 opponents. They have two bad losses, including a quad four loss to Florida State. And their strength of record is 58, which is the worst of any team that is currently in the field. So 
there's a lot of concern for them. Um, and they'll probably be doing a lot of praying for, for the next three days. All right, Rocco, you got something to give our, our boy Tristan Freeman some hope for Pitt or, or maybe a team that really helped themselves last night. Who you got? Yeah, I mean, on Pitt, it's yeah, it's interesting because I, I feel like just compared to the other teams that are right at the edge, um, they've definitely got the best wins away from home, winning at Northwestern, winning at NC State, a team that they're being directly compared against. I think you look at the road resume of um of pittsburgh and it's night and day better than nc state so i think if you leave pittsburgh entirely out that's bad news for nc state um i just think from a human standpoint i have a little bit more faith in bubba cunningham um to at least get pittsburgh into the field uh who knows maybe nc state will get left out uh that's another team good segue there um alarming loss for the second time in in his in a week uh against clemson by just a, a big margin um, you know, a Clemson team that's, at, you know, on the outside looking in and they lost to them three times this year. And outside of um, some nice home wins, you know, NC State did beat Miami and Duke at home. Um, those are the only two wins against the field. I think there's a lot of gaps in their resume and, a, and not a very strong schedule either at 242. Um, you know, the Wolfpack, I'm having a really tough time digesting overall. Um, I, I'm playing it a little bit safe. They're one of my, we'll find out later if they're in or, in or out, but that was a big one. And then I also thought, um, you know, just on the positive side, Utah State and Arizona State both really helped themselves out. Utah State um, did not sweat much with New Mexico. Taylor Funk was on fire, scored the first 16 points of the game. Um, and uh, they, they looked they looked the part. And that's exactly what they want to do in these games where they're not getting to play tournament teams. Um, so they'll get that chance today against Boise State. And then Arizona State um, really took control early against USC, never really let go. And uh, I thought that was really impressive because they lost uh, in a game kind of the opposite way at USC just last week. So they came ready to go. And now it's all upside as they get another crack at their rival, the Arizona Wildcats. Yeah, I'll throw it Penn State in the mix for my end. Uh, big win over Illinois last night. Well, pretty much everyone else lost. Um, that kind of win, I kind of puts to me puts them pretty safely in the field, regardless um, of what's coming next, and, and probably more up on that ten seed line than they've been in the past. One quick question, Rocco, back at you with North Carolina State. Put yourself in the committee room. You th- you look at those losses to Clemson. Is there any part in your mind that says bad matchup? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you can just how it is. Yeah, I think it was a bad matchup, but, but you know, I, I also think you have to look at the whole body of work uh, always. And I, I think you're looking at a team, uh, you know, I, I think some of the members probably look at quads hard. Others might be more like me, just looking at the names of the teams. Um, so Duke's the only win they have right now in the quad one. Um, I think Miami's basically the same level as Duke. So I give them credit for two there. Uh, but again, after that, they don't have any other wins against the field. They lost to Pitt at home. They took, um, you know, a little bit of an out-of-bounds loss at Syracuse on top of that. And, you know, be, there wasn't just a lot in the middle. Their, be, their best road wins are Virginia Tech and Wake, who are falling uh, just below 75 each. Um, and I think, you know, then you start to look at deeper factors. Like you're not, like I mentioned, the non-conference strength of schedule, 242. Um, you know, a team we probably bring up later is Oregon. You, you could compare Oregon to NC State right now, and Oregon beats them in almost every area. Um, and again, I'm not going to guess that is going to happen because I think the committee starts their process early Wednesday morning. And, you know, obviously NC state started this week in a much better position. Um, but there, there is a lot of reasons to leave them out. Yeah. As you mentioned, let's, let's get on from the bubble and the stuff that's happened just this week. And obviously 
body of work matters most. And when you get to the body of the work, four teams, we've put ahead of everyone else in their body of work. So let's launch into those one seeds. Um, I don't think any of us have changed recently with our ones. Our consensus right now, Alabama, Houston, Kansas, and Purdue. Uh, what are everyone's thoughts on those? Let, let's go to Andy first. What do you feel? You feel like these four are pretty locked in now. Uh, does Purdue need another win, or, or do you think UCLA or someone else can slide into that conversation? Or are these the four you're sticking with? So these are the four that that I'm sticking with right now. Um, I thought if Purdue would have lost to Rutgers and then UCLA went on to win the Pac-12 tournament, I thought there was there's a legitimate case for them. I still think there is a legitimate case for UCLA. Um, obviously, they do have a significant injury. Um, Defensive player of the year is out for the season, which is which is significant. Um, I think it's important for UCLA to show that they're still capable of playing at the level they were playing prior to his injury. Um, but that remains to be seen. I think it's really close between Purdue and UCLA, but I think Purdue just has uh, a, more, a, more quality wins uh, on their resume uh, than UCLA does. So I don't see the one line uh, changing for me by Sunday. Rocco, what do you make of the the UCLA Purdue arguments? Um, and then geographically, what do you think about the Houston Kansas argument in the middle of that one line? Yeah, good question. Um, I'm I'm pretty much with Brad. I, I don't really see enough reason to change uh, the order. You know, whether it's switching Alabama with Houston in the one two versus what they told us at the bracket preview, um, and also with the Purdue UCLA comparison. You know, Purdue just I think they're they if they just keep holding serve. Maybe just today's win alone is enough because um, we know with the way the process works tomorrow, they're just going to be doing scrubs and, um, and, and, and for the audience, a scrub is basically just going back and reversing any previous decisions that were made. Um, there might not be enough reason to, to move Purdue off the one line, especially th that late in the process. So, um, <clears throat> you know, I, th I think the four ones stay the same. I think the big question kind of back to your geographical um, reference is if Houston somehow did overtake Alabama, whether that means Alabama loses tomorrow or they think Houston's better already because Alabama lost to Texas A&M on the final day, um, that would be fascinating because I, you know, I have texted with a few people there uh, on the staff. And, um, you know, I think it would actually be best for everybody if Houston got number one overall from a geography standpoint, because um, my information is telling me that uh, they would choose Las Vegas because it's a better flight for their fans. They also probably want to avoid some of the big 12 country in Kansas city. And that would just make things perfect for Kansas to stay home and Alabama to get Louisville. Um, so we'll see if that plays out. I think if it stays the order, we have it, Brad and I, uh, then, then we're looking at Alabama one to Louisville, Houston two to Kansas city. And then the committee having to decide if they're going to send Kansas to New York, which is actually about a hundred miles closer than Las Vegas, where they might actually prefer to go. Um, so those are the ge geography questions left. And of course, the one seeds are always going to be the favorite coming into the tournament, but there's always an upset or 20 upsets. So this season, we're partnering with Run Your Pool, which is hosting the official Field of 68 bracket contest this year. Rob Doster has worked with Run, the, Run Your Pool before, which is why he's so excited to land this sponsor this year. They have more than 50 game types for every sport you can think of, from a traditional bracket pool to survivor games, head-to-head -head games, pickaxe games. My favorite, squares. The scoring is customizable. You can tailor your bracket rules to your pool. And here's the best part. Run Your Pool is giving away $1,500 in cash prizes for free. Just sign up with the link in the description below at play.runyourpool.com slash field68. That's field68. Fill out a bracket and you'll be eligible to win. We hope to see you guys on Selection Sundays. So as we kind of get into the 
bubble talk. We've already mentioned the teams that have done the most this week, but obviously that that whole body of work matters most. Let's let's lead off with Brad. Who do you have sitting as your last four in right now? And how close are those teams to either being safe, those teams closer to that 10 line, um, or the groups that you, the teams that you feel least confident at the end? Yeah, I wouldn't call anybody safe that's in my last four in right now, because there's still so much that can happen. Um, At this current moment, there, there's currently seven different conferences um, that could end up with a bid stealer. Now, are there going to be seven bid stealers? No, there's not. That doesn't happen. But there could be three or four. That's possible. There could be zero. So the last four in could end up being the last four in. But there's so much that could still happen over the course of the next two and a half days that could drastically change this, which is why, you know, everybody wants their team to be called a lock. But when there's so many things that are still out there to happen, you have to be very careful about calling a team a lock. Um, So my last four in. Uh, This is going to go from safest to least safe. Uh, At the top of the list is Rutgers. Uh, Rutgers, uh, after their win against Michigan, uh, they had a close loss today against Purdue, but a really good showing. They're they're, uh, an interesting team because you can't just look at the resume. Um, A number of weeks ago, they lost a starter, Mawat Mag, to an injury, and they really struggled. They struggled. They looked like a different team. They had one at Purdue earlier in the season when he was healthy, um, but he's one of their best defensive players, and they just never look the same uh, through the regular season until they got to the Big Ten tournament, played Michigan, and Rutgers proved that not only they can be can they be competitive, but they can be pretty good too. Um, and they beat Michigan, and they played a really good game against Purdue, and I think it was important to show the committee that they were capable of doing that. Uh, so I have them safest of these four teams at the moment. Arizona State is next. Uh, Arizona State picked up a huge win uh, last night against USC to put them at five and five Q1, nine and ten Q1 and two, um, with a twelve and six road neutral record. And they own that win at Arizona from a couple of weeks ago, which is the biggie for them. Um, my final two teams, NC State, who Rocco had talked about a little bit earlier. Yeah, they're they're in trouble. They're in trouble. Just one in six against Q1 opponents. They don't have a high Q1 win. Just the two wins over the field. Um, not a great non-conference strength of schedule. Now, the thing they do, the, the one positive they do have, they don't have any bad losses, which may not seem like anything. Um, but when you start comparing teams that are on the bubble, not many teams are like that. So that that's that's a good thing for them. Um, and they have a relatively good uh, strength of record for the bubble. And then my last team in right now is Pittsburgh, who whose net dropped to 67 after their loss to Duke last night. Um, now they're still four and four against Q1 opponents, which is why I still have them in the field. And like you mentioned earlier, Lucas, they do have some good wins on the road, um, throttling Northwestern by almost 30. Um, and you know they won at NC State. Uh, you know and they beat some other good teams that are towards the top of the bracket. Um, but they do have a Q4 loss. And they have a strength of record of 58, which is the worst of any team in the field. So for me, that's 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 a time where you kind of ring the alarm bell um, and they're not safe. Yeah, I'm with you, Brad. I have NC State, Arizona State and Rutgers in my last four in as well. I went with Nevada over Pitt um, as my only difference there for my last team in the field. Um, historically, it's pretty rare for a team with, with a sub 50 resume metric average between KPI and strength of record uh, to make the field. And that 
sub 50 would qualify for all of Pitt, Clemson, and Wisconsin right now. Uh, it's also pretty rare for a team only three games over 500, Oklahoma State, to get in. And so I gave Nevada that edge uh, for those two reasons. Uh, Rocco, where, where are you sitting with your last four in right now? Who's sitting there? Yeah, so for me, um, Arizona State, uh, the fourth uh, safest, let's just say, uh, or sorry, first safest of the four, um, fourth inside. So, yeah, Arizona State, as we talked about, big win over USC. Um, I think you look at, you know, everything they've done this year, it's starting to really improve. Um, it's not just the the, the three-quarter court shot in Tucson, um, the Creighton win, and, and now they've beaten USC twice. So, um, all their other records right now against top two, a, for example, ASU is eight and seven. Most of these teams are pretty far below or, or a game or two below 500. So they're starting to win some of those battles. Obviously they've got the Texas Southern loss, uh, which creates concern that also screws up some of their numbers like uh, net and so forth. But I love the collection. And I've said this on previous shows of road wins. It's not easy to win in Colorado at altitude. Uh, Oregon is a very good road win. And Stanford came on strong down the end. So that shows up as a pretty good road win on top of what they did in Tucson. Um, and so uh, the good outweighs the bad at this point for them. And I think they're in um, Utah State finally coming around there. Uh, you know, I think resume wise, there's still a lot to be desired. You know, they don't have a win against a tournament team away from Logan. Um, but obviously, when they play in Logan, they're pretty unbeatable, uh, although they did miss the one big chance against San Diego State. Um, obviously, they've got a, a cluster of wins um, in games where they either played in neutral courts or even here in San Francisco um, at the NBA arena. Um, and they're, they're a darn good team, obviously, all the way up to 18th in the net this morning. Um, I feel like they're a good fallback option when a bunch of these teams like Oklahoma State or even NC State uh, have so many question marks on their resume or barely over 500. Um, this is actually a winning team. And if you take away quad four, where they still have two losses, which makes them so edgy, um, it, you know, they still have 20 plus wins uh, outside of Q4 that are all relevant in some to some degree. Um, so Utah State's there, then NC State's next. Um, I've talked about them to death in the lot between Monday show and today. Um, so look that up. And then Rutgers there is the last team. Um, struggled with Rutgers just based on uh, accommodations of things with, with the injury with Meg. Um, obviously, yesterday they played well and won by 12. I thought that really helped change my mind, just the fact that, you know, Michigan, you know, despite not being an NCAA caliber team at this point, they have played really well from February on. Um, and Rutgers went out and handled their business, held them to 50 points. Uh, that was a really good sign. And um, not very often you get to a situation where you really are waiting for a championship week result. Um, but I think that showed what that, that will be the Rutgers team that they would put into the field. Um, and, and then today, Purdue, they played they played hard enough. I mean, it was a good game almost all the way through. Um, and I think that probably should be enough to get them in. The thing I really hold my nose at is removing quad four. They're 12 and 14. I don't even like putting a team in that's one under 500 and they're two under 500. Um, so that that's why I think if there is a bid stealer and and Brad, thanks for laying that out for the audience. Um, that would be the first team I'd probably knock to the NIT. Hey, Rocco, you, you talked about Utah State and your last four in uh, for a couple things, leaving their resume with some to desire and they don't have a win away from Logan against the tournament team for your field in particular and how you've how you formulated formulated things to this point. How much does an opportunity away from Logan against a projected NCAA tournament team at Boise State tonight, well, tomorrow morning, 
however we want to phrase a midnight tip off. Um, how much would that change things for you for the Aggies? Well, it's funny you said that because yeah, with the committee and how far along they'll be in their process, it might not move the needle that much. Um, you know, I, I think Utah State's playing well enough to just win the whole thing and get the auto bid and yeah. get rid of this conversation entirely. Um, but yeah, of course it will it will help to a degree, but we don't know which degree it helps because. Like if it happened last year, I don't know if it would have moved the needle at all. Um, I think they're just evaluating right now on what they've done to date. And again, you you can't fully ignore, you know, um, just the dominance they've played with. Uh, you know, there are some basketball people, basketball centric people on the committee, including the chairman who used to play for Indiana. I think those kind of people would go to bat for Utah State, just how electric their uh, shooting numbers are one of the best three-point shooting teams effective field goal percentage teams um you know sure probably makes sense to just throw them in Dayton because they, they didn't get that big a true road win but um you know beyond that I think I think it, at this point they're one of the better options on the bubble so you've heard Brad's you've heard mine in passing you've heard Rocco's last four in Let's see our consensus right now across all four bracketologists. We're looking with Rutgers as the safest of the last four in, followed by Arizona State, NC State, and Pitt, which, correct me if I'm wrong, that is your last four in, Brad, correct? That is correct. Smart Looking people. in line with our consensus. Good for you on that one, but, you know, we never know what the committee is exactly going to do. Let's snake this back around to our first four out. Rocco, who do you have as those teams that need the most work down the stretch here or need the most help from teams that are still playing? <laughs> well, I think all four of mine are going to be out here in about a minute and 20 minutes, or excuse me, a minute, 20 seconds, but um, I'll digress. So uh, Oklahoma State, um, you know, right there, team I like a lot, really great defense, um, just, you know, besides the win at Hilton, which was a great win at the time, um, didn't get the big marquee win against one of those like top three seeds, whether it be Kansas State, Baylor, Texas, Kansas, they didn't, they went over all of those teams. Um, you know, I think with their record, they might have been taken if they had even one of those wins or maybe two, um, but they went 0-8 in those games. And um, you're, you're looking at a team that had 16 cracks against tournament level teams, according to our field, and they only won four of those. So they're winning 25 percent of the time against tournament teams um, beyond all that. So so to me, that that right out, right out of the gate, they're, they're kind of leaning out. And then you go down the line, they're six and 12 in the first quad. You get down to the top two, they're 10 and 14. And, and in the top three, 13 and 15, there's only been a couple of 15 lost teams to get in regardless. And if you look at that, that was like the Colin Sexton team of Alabama back in 2019 and a Vanderbilt team, um, I think the year before that. And they both had unbelievable wins. I think both of them beat a one seed. Um, Oklahoma State missed the boat. They had their chances. Uh, can't say they didn't have their chances, but they missed the boat. Um, so they're out. And then Nevada, you know, I, I just think Nevada, it, it's a tough one. You know, they've had a pretty solid resume most of the year. You know, if we rewind to two weeks ago, they're probably safely in. Uh, they finished the year with three straight losses to non-tournament teams, including a home loss to their rival UNLV. It's a really bad final impression. Um, we also, you know, uh, this is just more of a human element thing. We don't have a Mountain West representative on the committee this year that's probably going to hurt um you have you know home wins against the big three they beat san diego state boise and utah state give them credit there um they were also two missed free throws away from beating kansas state they win that game probably changes everything uh didn't happen and their best road wins are just you know new mexico's not gonna be in the field it's a, it's a really good road win that's a tough place to win and they swept the lobos uh but part of nevada's fall 
uh, is coinciding with New Mexico's fall because as time went on, that that win lost a little bit of luster. Um, and then you have an overall record away neutral at eight and nine, not good for a Mountain West team. And then you have four losses that are outside of 2B with Loyola Marymount, Wyoming, San Jose State yesterday, and the home UNLV loss. That's, that's to me, the bad outweighing the good. Um, the next team out is Wisconsin. Wisconsin, I think, has been well-documented. Um, again, 12 and 14 when you remove Q4 like Rutgers. Um, they do have good road wins at Marquette and Iowa, but I like Rutgers road wins better because they won at Purdue. They swept Penn State. Wisconsin also won at Penn State, which helps a little bit. Um, but I think Wisconsin, just with their overall uh, body of work, and then you combine that with the um, the, the lacking net and overall metrics, um, it, it's it's enough to kind of easily put them out. And I think a comparison to Rutgers, you can clearly see Rutgers is a little bit higher in the pecking order. So I, I feel like that's the right balance. Uh, and then lastly, I did have North Texas, a team that just keeps climbing. They're down by five right now with 45 seconds left. They keep fighting back here. Um, but again, just a heck of a run for them. Once again, this year, they got all the way up to, uh, net 36. Um, I never, I, I never really saw them, um, as getting in all the way, uh, but I just had them higher than all the other options. Um, I'll mention real quick, quick. I see Clemson is in our, uh, in some of our last four in, I just don't give Clemson any chance because of the 335 non-conference strength of schedule. It's very similar to Wake Forest last year, who was 341, who I, who I also didn't give a chance last year. Um, I, I just think that's that, that's way too low for a power conference school. Uh, they also have four losses, 233 or worse, um, beginning with the South Carolina loss. So um, good run for Clemson. They're two wins away from the field, uh, but they need both those wins, in my opinion. I got two things for you. One, Rocco, you mentioned Oklahoma State. It's hard to win with, with hard to get in with 15 losses, not to not to dig on dig on our producer here, but what do you think about 115 losses as as the uh, as our graphic said today? Do you think they get in with 115 losses? <laughs> I, I couldn't see the graphics, so that's good to know. And, and and number two, North Texas is within two with 33 seconds to play. Amazing. So right back at now we're going back to Brad. What do you got on your last four in? I mean, first four out um, heading into the last couple of days. Sure, my, my last my first four out are a little bit different. A, co- uh, a couple are the same. But actually, my first team out is Clemson. Um, I don't disagree with everything Rocco said. Um, I, I get it. Their non-conference strength of schedule is awful. They lost to Louisville, who is a net in the 300s. Terrible. But the one reason why I still keep them around is because of their record against Q1 opponents and Q1 and Q2 opponents. Since the net came into play, no high major team has ever missed the tourney that finished over 500 against Q1 opponents and over 500 against Q1 plus Q2 opponents. So currently Clemson is four and three against Q1. They play Virginia tonight. That's a, that's a Q1 game. They win that game, they finish five and three. Even if they lose in the finals, they're, they're five and four. Um, and they'd be over 500 against Q1 and Q2. So that for me is what's keeping them around. They finished in third place in the ACC. Where you finish doesn't matter. Um, they would be the first 14-win ACC team not to reach the field. Um, a 15-team win hasn't reached either, but they'd be the first 14 one. Uh, and 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 also, I feel like going back to who's on the committee. Bubba Cunningham, athletic director at North Carolina, is on the committee. Now, a lot of times, guys that are on the committee. 
They want their leagues to get as many teams as possible. So will Bubba Cunningham go to bat for those three teams in the ACC, Clemson, NC State, and Pittsburgh? That remains to be seen, but you have to, you have to wonder what that you know, scene is going to be like in the selection room. Um, so then I have Oklahoma State, who I won't go into. Rocco had talked enough about them, but 15 losses, finishing at 18 and 15. I feel like you have to have something that really stands out on your resume that is, that is great. Um, and Oklahoma State doesn't have that. They, they do have a solid strength of record. You know, they have six quad one wins, but they do have 12 losses. They're kind of a similar resume to, to West Virginia, except they have much worse uh, metrics, um, which is why for me, 18 and 15, it just doesn't cut it. You know, I know you play in the Big 12, um, but just missed the cut line for me. Uh, and then Nevada, who we spoke about, um, and Oregon is uh, the last one. You know, if they beat UCLA tonight, I still don't think it's going to be enough to get them in, um, but it's going to push them closer uh, to see how everything works out. But I, I, I think they probably need to go in the Pac-12 tournament in order to get a bid. Yeah, I'm with you guys. I have a conglomeration of what you guys have outside of – I still have Pittsburgh as my first team out with Nevada in. But after that, I have Oklahoma State, Clemson, um, and Wisconsin, my second through fourth out. North Texas was my seventh, and Oregon was my fifth today out so pretty similar there as we round things up with all of our bracketologists our consensus first four out sits as follows we have nevada as the first out followed by oklahoma state clemson and wisconsin which is actually very close to my first four out surprisingly so um but we're coming out of the wire here and really when you're getting into the bubble have you ever guys tried to prove that you've won an argument that your takes weren't that hot maybe your takes were right instead of wrong well, we have an answer to your problems. Vaulted is a new sports prediction app that turns your opinions into facts. You can store all of your predictions and hot takes in your own vault now and forever. Challenge your friends, keep track of the results, and prove that you are, in fact, the smartest and you hold those bragging rights. Vaulted will also be releasing more than 50 pools in the next three months. So download the app at the link below. Sign up for your three-month free trial and store your predictions now and forever. So, so let's hop into some team hitters moving off the bubble uh, let's jump into some teams we haven't talked about yet. I think one that jumps out to me, um, at least after the last couple of days, is the UConn-Tennessee argument um, on the 3-4 line. Where do you guys feel uh, the Connecticut Huskies deserve to be right now? Let's lead off with Brad. Where do you feel the Huskies sit for you, and how high can they really get? So they actually sit for me um, as my last three seed. Um, I've always felt that they, they should have been a better seed at the, at the reveal, just like a lot of people did, because their metrics are through the roof. Um, obviously, they own wins against Alabama and Iowa State on a neutral court. If you watch them play, they have the look and feel of a team that can make a deep run in March. Um, and the metrics, you know, give that, display that as well. Uh, so I don't think they can get up to the two line, even if they win the Big East tournament. I think they could move higher up the three line. Um, they're probably on the border of a three, four right now. And it's going to depend on what the committee thinks of a team like Tennessee. Um, Tennessee does have a significant injury to Zakai Ziegler for the last couple of games. Um, they're obviously monitoring to see how they play without him. Um, they haven't played as great over the last couple of weeks. And if it's, if it's down to those two teams, for me, I think from a basketball standpoint of view, UConn is the better team and deserves the better seed. Uh, but we'll see how it plays out because, you know, there's there's the human factor that goes into it as well. Rocco, where do you stand there? Do you have UConn on your three now? If you have them on a four, 
Uh, does that change with Tennessee currently trailing Missouri by one? If that game closes out, where do you feel uh, UConn belongs? And if they do end up on that three, which team do you see falling down to the four line? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, no, I, I agree entirely with Brad, except for the standpoint I'm still putting Tennessee as the last three because, you know, if I was in the room, I would agree. Like, I, I think UConn deserves it. But just based on where we started this um, and where we know the actual committee started on February 18th, not a lot um, has happened besides the injury to Ziegler. Um, I know Tennessee fell once or twice, but I don't think uh, UConn coming from a five-seed position all the way to a three um, that's gonna be tough. It's it's gonna be tough, and I just you know I'm more f- focused on guessing precisely what they're gonna do. I think a Tennessee loss today, as long as it's taken into consideration, would clearly uh, make it easy to put them on the four line, um, like our consensus bracket was this morning on Twitter. Um, so I really have no no um, difference there, except for I'm just really trying to guess what they're what they're gonna do. Yeah, I'm with that too. I moved UConn into my last three today. Um, obviously, something that could change if Tennessee were to beat Missouri. Um, and UConn were to fall to Marquette tonight. Um, sticking with some teams that have won national championships in the last 10, 15 years. How about the Duke Blue Devils? Uh, making a little bit of a run recently. Um, I moved them up onto my sixth seed line. Where do you guys feel uh, the Dukies really land right now? Do you think they can get up as high to a five? Rocco, let's start with you. I think they can. Yeah, I'm also there with them as a six. Um, I, you know, I, I, th- I think it's interesting um, because you know they still have a losing quad one record, three and six, um, one win in the top half, and it's barely there by one spot. Neutral uh, Xavier is 25th, um, but yeah, I mean, in general, they're playing much better. I think at their level uh, in the six to five range, you're just really talking about more performance uh, than resume. And obviously they're they're Duke, so um, there's a human element to that as well. Uh, maybe our boy Bubba Cunningham will will be speaking up there. But um, yeah, I think it's close. I think right now the way I have it uh, listed, Duke's 22nd overall on my seed list, just below San Diego State and um, Kentucky. So um, both those teams are playing. So is Duke. Uh, perhaps if San Diego State lost to San Jose and Kentucky fell, it'd be pretty easy to put Duke as a five seed. Uh, amazingly, because I think a lot of people can look at their resume and, and fairly so, and you could argue all the way down to a seven or an eight, but uh, they are playing with dominance. And, and obviously uh, I think the NCAA is very interested in protecting one of its most important assets. Brad, what do you feel about Duke's spot right now? And then taking your bracketology brain out of it, let's say they're in the five, six argument right now. 
Is there any benefits to you landing on the six instead of having to face one of those Charleston Oral Roberts 12 seeds uh, if you're a five seed? Yeah, I do. Nobody wants to be in that five seed and have to play one of those teams. I mean, that's there's going to be a, there's always the 12 five seed upset, and those are going to be fascinating matchups. Whoever ends up, in, you know, in those games, um, very excited for that. And that's what really makes the NCAA tournament so exciting when you get to have these high major schools match up against, you know, the mid major schools of like Oral Roberts and Charleston. Um, yeah, I, I would say the six seed is probably better, but at the same time, there's a chance the committee could put a team like Oral Roberts and Charleston as an 11 seed and make two teams that are in the last four in, put them as 12 seeds. Um, that's very possible. So, yep. you know, you can't predict exactly what they're going to do. Charleston and Oral Roberts have, you know, especially Oral Roberts, they have a strong top 40 net. Um, and both teams have a ton of wins um, and, and a pretty solid metrics across the board. So that, that leaves that open. Um, I think in terms of Duke, though, you know, do you get placed in a certain seed based on name? No. But I think the expectations going into the season was that Duke was going to be a good team. And I think the way Duke has played over the course of the last few weeks has kind of given them that extra bump, kind of like, kind of like a UConn, um, a, a team where the expectations were, were high and they had a, a huge gap where they, they struggled. Um, but now they seem to be back into form. So I do see Duke as that on the edge of that five slash six seed line right now. And if they win the ACC tournament, I think they will be a five seed. Now flip into the opposite side of that 6-11 type matchup. Penn State's moved up to a 10 seed for me. How safe do you feel the Nittany Lions are after their win over Illinois? How high do you think they can get as the Big Ten tournament progresses? Uh, what do you think about the Nittany Lions right now, Brad? Yeah, so I think Penn State's in. Uh, I think their result uh, tonight does not matter. I have them as a 10 seed. Strength of record is top 40 in the country now. Um I mean, all indications that you have a strength of record that strong, you're in the field. Um, they just have a solid resume across the board. I don't know how much higher they can get. Um, now, we, we've discussed it a few times on the show. Um, how much does the committee take into account the last two days? Uh, not a whole lot in terms of really changing their seed. Can they get into that 8-9 game, maybe as a 9 seed? I, I would say maybe. Do they I would even say right to? now, though, they're – What's that? Do they even want to? Do they even want to? Exactly. No, probably not. Um, I mean, the reality is you'd rather be an 11 seed, not in Dayton, um, than, a, than an 8-9, 7-8-9, or 10 seed. Um, so you can avoid playing the, the two seed and, you know, the one seed in the second round. Um, but, yeah, I see them as a solid 10 seed right now. They don't have anything to worry about. Um, but, again, they're, they're another exciting team that, you know, if the matchups – Fall their way, they can make a run in the NCAA tournament. Rocco, you feeling about the same way with Penn State right now? Yeah, I do. I right where I have them as well. I think I think Brad's right. Their game tonight won't impact too much. Um, and I think probably where they're placed, they're they're in this zone just above all these really sketchy bubble teams, um, where they're like the most solid team from what I have evaluated you could maybe switch Mississippi State and Penn State if you wanted to but I, I do think Penn State's um, done a little bit more uh, than even Mississippi State so um, I like them right there at the 10 line uh, they could maybe move up I don't think they can move up to be an 8-9 anyway and and of course if you're a Penn State fan you probably don't want that um, so I think this is probably where they're going to be on Sunday 
And if you look to those murky bubble teams that are a little bit behind Penn State, or at least to me, a little bit behind Penn State, um, there's one team that didn't help itself yesterday in the Providence Friars, although they did help themselves a little bit between four o'clock and five o'clock, shrinking what was a 20 plus point deficit down to seven. Rocco, where do you sit with Providence right now? Do you feel obviously they're a team that can't do anything between now and Sunday? But where do you feel they fit? Do you think they're safe at this point? Are there enough teams that can get over them um, down the stretch? Yeah, I don't I don't think they're safe because, you know, much like NC State, um, you know, their best road wins were Villanova and Seton Hall, two teams in the 70s, not going to the tournament. Um, tough places to win. We all know that. Butler's a good third road win as well. Uh, sliding into the bottom. Of the yeah, of course, Lucas. Um, so anyway, I, I think, you know, it's really going to come down to how much they value high level home wins. Cause they've got the big three in the big East. Um, and that's really their resume. Um, beyond that, there's a lot to not like that much. There's really like a bubble form there where they didn't get some of the big road wins they had. They're clearly well below 500 in the Q1 opportunities. And that's why they're in this discussion. Um, a lot of their numbers have slipped. Their KPI ranking is 63. I mean, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of reasons where you could put them out of the field, I think. Um, and I think from a selection standpoint, um, you know, maybe if there was three or four bid steals, I could definitely see them out. Um, I, th I think from a seeding standpoint, um, you know, maybe you respect some of those high end, uh, home wins even that they got, and, and maybe that helps them avoid Dayton, which is where I put them. Uh, but, but I think, I think those are two different situations. I think from a resume standpoint, the two that I probably don't like the most, uh, well, I think Rutgers for the reasons we said with the 500 problem. Uh, and then NC State and Providence are my next two, just from a team I could easily see and slip all the way out. If you want a historical reference, look at 2019 TCU, very similar to this Providence resume and the, uh, the one for NC State and a, a team that 99% of the bracket matrix had in and did not get selected. In Rocco, we've talked about non-conference strength of schedule with regards to Clemson. Is there something about Providence resume not having a win over a Ken Palm top 200 team in non-conference that stands out for you? Yeah. I mean, it's not a good, strong schedule. They could, they had opportunities to play much tougher games and they declined them, you know, 11 of their games land in Q4. Even if you take out the Georgetown games, that's still nine and they could have done a lot more. I mean, they, they were the first people to call Stonehill when Stonehill became D1, you know, um, it just shows that they were after a bunch of wins, not knowing what the roster changes were going to be like after last year's great year. And in this type of situation, you know, depending on how the real committee's looking at them and how far they slip towards that cut line. Um, like I said, there's reasons to leave them out for sure. Yeah, I'm with you. There's reasons, but I, I have them um, as my fifth to last team in right now. Um, I think they're, they're, they're probably going to make the tournament barring some bid stealers in my mind. Now, Brad, I'm going off, going off the outline here. I'm going rogue. Um, you, I'm looking at three teams on my, my S curve coming into today, and that's Gonzaga, Arizona, and Baylor fighting for that last two seed. I mean, it's felt like it's been Arizona and Baylor for a long time. Now Gonzaga leads all three of those teams in net. They lead them in resume metrics. They lead them in quality metrics. Uh, I stuck with Arizona and Baylor on my two seed today, but, but talk me into, talk me about that conversation when you look at those three teams um, and who could get on that last two seed. It's definitely something I struggled with this morning. Um, Arizona. I actually have Arizona ahead of Baylor. I'm not sure how you have it, but I think Arizona I, is a little bit safer uh, just because of their record against high Q1 opponents. Yep. Um, for me, it was it came down to Gonzaga and Baylor. Yep. Like you said, Gonzaga's numbers across the board are, are just better. 
Uh, Baylor also has twice the number of losses that Gonzaga has. Now, I think if the committee was taking all of this into account up until, you know, Baylor's loss yesterday and didn't make their decision already, I would say Gonzaga deserves it. But when are they going to, did they make their decision? Obviously, they're going to re-scrub through everything. Um, but they, but the Big 12, the Baylor's in the Big 12, they showed in the reveal that they love the Big 12, which, you know, deservedly so. Uh, but, you know, Baylor has struggled the last couple of weeks and Gonzaga really put a whooping on St. Mary's. And, you know, maybe Gonzaga is turning into that team we all thought they were. Uh, it's really close for me and I can go either way with Gonzaga and Baylor. I have Baylor there right now. Um, but my brain tells me that it probably should be Gonzaga. Rocco, what do you feel about that argument? And if you're Gonzaga even, presumably UCLA landing on the two seed line, do you want to be on the two or do you want to stick in that West as a three seed? Yeah, well, there's challenges there. I'll talk about that in a second uh, on either, on either front, but um, yeah, I, I, I really am right there with Brad on this. Um, You know, I think Baylor was announced as the seventh best team that day on February 18th and Gonzaga was shocking to me. I, I would have probably had them around. I think I had them 12th as a three seed that day, but they had them all the way down to 15. So that means, you know, Gonzaga has not only got to pass uh, Baylor, but before they can even get to Baylor, they've got to get agreement that they're going to pass Marquette agreement that they're going to pass Kansas state. And then they could talk about passing Baylor. It, I mean, I, I think if I had to hedge my bets, which is basically what this exercise is um, I keep Gonzaga as a three, just because of that, not because Gonzaga doesn't deserve it. You know, right now, after all these results this week, Gonzaga is suddenly the number one uh, efficient offense in the country. Um, something they didn't have until um, they put the whooping on St. Mary's um, the game I was at on Tuesday. So um, that's where I'm at with it. As far as three seed in the West, they might be in trouble there too, just depending on how the bracket shakes out. Uh, be- just because of bracketing rules, the Big 12, um, the fourth team, which we Kansas State and I think all of our examples, um, it- it- as long as the West is still the last region left, they'll have to take that spot. So I think Gonzaga is probably at best going to the Midwest unless some major shakeup happens with that. Yeah, I would agree with you on all pounce. I have Gonzaga as my top three seed just behind Arizona and Baylor in that order um, on my two line as well. And I think that brings us to chat questions. So I'll swing it over to Dagan. What has he got for us today? Hello, gentlemen. Thank you for welcoming me on the show. I appreciate it. Also, Lucas, good call out on the on the messed up graphic. That was that was very good. Uh, I have to Thank appreciate you. that. That was very good. Um, so the first question we have in the chat, I forget who it's from. It was a while back. They want to know about Iowa State. What are your thoughts on can they get any higher? Uh, obviously, they play Kansas tonight. Kind of what do you see with uh, with the Cyclones here? Yeah, I'll lead. I mean, Iowa State's now up to 10 quad one wins. They're 10 and 10, quad one, six and six against uh, quad one A opponents. Their metrics are great. Um, I put it back up onto the five line today. I think it's, there's always an argument. I think right now for the last four, I feel pretty confident on the top 15 teams being in that top 15. Um, but Virginia as my 16, I feel a little iffy on. Um, so I have Iowa state on my five line and, and there's a chance to get up there with a strong finish in the big 12. Uh, Rocco, where do you feel about the cyclones? And then, then we'll run over to Brad for his thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I, I, they were, they're a very interesting team. You know, um, they got rid of Caleb or Caleb Grill's gone for, for academic reasons I've heard, I've heard. And, um, you know, I think it took them a while to, to get acclimated. They hadn't won a game since the reveal until they played Baylor to end the year. And then they got a tremendous 15 point road win in Waco. 
Um, clearly their best win of the year. Then, of course, back that up with another win against Baylor yesterday in Kansas City. Um, and so Iowa State, to me, they feel like a very safe five. Uh, you know, keep in mind, on the committee reveal day, they were number all the way up at number 11, I think a little higher than most of us expected. And so um, five seems like a cushy place to land that based on all the wild results they've had since that day. Um, but I think, you know, there might even be an argument now to – uh, to look at them versus Virginia or Xavier to get onto the four line. I don't think that they do get up to the four line, but I think they could at least be discussed in that manner at this point. Are you with us there, Brad? Thinking Iowa State in the five with the French. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you guys. You know, like we saw at the reveal, they were a three seed and they went on a four game losing streak. And it seemed like the sky was falling, had them all the way down to a six seed. Um, but after beating Baylor a couple times, I have him back up to a five now as well. With Virginia playing Clemson tonight, um, if Virginia loses, I think, and if Iowa State can win, I think there's a possibility they could they could jump them. Um, I wouldn't say it's likely, uh, but it's definitely a possibility. Uh, and then there's, as Rocco mentioned, Xavier's another team, um, especially not having Zach Fremantle for the rest of the season. I know he hasn't played in a while anyway, but that's possible that it gets taken into an account for the committee. Um, and they get dropped one seed. Um, so I do agree with you guys on, on all accounts. All right. To the next one, I would say to the next one, which Brad talked about very nicely there, the uh, Virginia. Uh, where would you seed the Cavaliers if they were to win the ACC? I don't think Virginia gets higher than a four. I think they're pretty much stuck on a four for me um, at best. I think that that's, that's where they are. They've been my, my last four for, I don't know, it feels like forever. Um, and they're still in that spot for me today. I think that I don't think, they fall further than a five. And I think they're stuck on a four for me if they keep going that way. Are you with that, Brad? Yeah, I agree with you. I think they're, they're a solid four, especially if they beat Clemson, make it to the championship. I think they'll remain a four. Um, there's just not enough there when you compare their resume to, you know, other three seeds right now, you know, they, and, you know, to be frank, they haven't looked particularly impressive either. Um, so I don't see them getting any higher um, five seed at worst, but right now a solid four. Yeah, and Rocco, over to you. I mean, Virginia's net sits at twenty nine. Their res their quality metrics are ranking in the in the upper twenties. Um, for me, I think they're at worst of five. But is there is this a team that you could see being a surprise in terms of how low they could end up being? I can't really see it. I mean, they were their their starting point uh, from February eighteenth was was number ten overall, yep. um, and that's a pretty good starting point. Uh, they, they they had that one bad week where they got killed by Boston College and then also beat pretty good by North Carolina, two non-tournament teams. But um, beyond that, they, they've kind of bounced back nicely. I thought they played really well uh, yesterday. I know North Carolina is not a tournament team, but to beat them in Greensboro uh, where they have a big advantage, um, I was impressed because Carolina in their first game of the ACC tournament looked like they might be on a mission and come out there and win that whole thing. And Virginia put a stop to that and had the momentum all day long and um, and that shows me just from a basketball standpoint, they're, they're kind of back to where they want to be going into the tournament. All right. Next, uh, is Mississippi state fairly safe? Obviously lost today to old Alabama. I won't take the lead on this one. I'll shoot it right over to Rocco right away. What do you think of the Bulldogs Rocco? Yeah. I mean, I didn't think they were as risky as some of the people on TV yesterday. That's for sure. I, I feel, I felt better about Mississippi state than, um, you know, the six bubble teams that we've been really focused on the last week, um, just from the standpoint of they got a big win at Bud Walton Arena. There's your true road win. Uh, they got, you know, home of the Arkansas Razorbacks. They got the, the Fort Myers um, event. They won the championship against Marquette. 
I, I mean, this is a solid team. They they got the TCU win to back that up at home, plus Missouri and and others now. And I just think they had kind of fixed their season after you know, losing eight out of nine in the middle there. They got dealt a really wild hand in the SEC, having just an abundance of really brutal games to start uh, January. But they overcame that hump. Now they're hanging and their overall body of work is, is good. Um, I, I mean, for this level, uh, they've got a nice away neutral record as well compared to everybody. Um, so I think they're safely on the 10 line. So I had them as 11 coming into the day, and I think they'll probably stay there. Brad, where do you have Mississippi State coming into the day? I don't think anyone's going to punish the team for, for a loss to the number one overall seed, but do you see them getting punished for the margin of 23 points today? I mean, I had them as my top 11 seed. Sure. Um, is it possible they end up in the four, uh, last four in? Sure. Um, but I think they should be in, um, you know, everything Rocco had mentioned, you know, that win on a neutral court against Marquette is a difference maker uh, for me to go along with nothing. They don't have any, anything too bad on their resume. And, you know, you're comparing them to every other team that's on the bubble. So whether you, if you just look at them, you know, just look at their resume, you might not think it's good enough, but why isn't it good enough? Why, why is their resume better than these other teams? And there are reasons for that. Um, so I do think that they should be in the field uh, regardless of today's outcome. Yeah, I agree. And I think they're one of those teams that even has a chance to benefit um, down the stretches. Akron's still in the, in, in the, in the hunt for, our, for the Mac title and they got a 19 point win um, in non-conference over Akron as well. All right. Next on the list, uh, a team that's still currently playing, um, but it's pretty far off the bubble. Or I don't know. I shouldn't say pretty far, but definitely off the bubble. Uh, how many games or which games does Vandy need to win to get into the tournament? Or is it do they just have to win the SEC tournament to get in? All right, Brad, I got Vandy as my sixth team out coming in today. Where do you have Vanderbilt? What do you think they need to do over the next couple of days to really – do you think they can get an at-large still, or, or do you think they, they need the SEC tournament? Yeah, uh, so it, oh, sorry. It's, it's an interesting question because – Last year, a lot of us felt that Texas A&M should have gotten in yep. after the run that they made in the SEC tournament. They finished with a with a better resume than Notre Dame, and, and it really wasn't even close. Um, but it, the committee did not take all that into account. So I don't know if Vanderbilt can get in that large bid. Um, I think if they get to the championship game, you know, they they're probably deserving of being you know in in consideration. But ultimately, I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, they got to win. Them. They got to win them all. It's not happening. Um, just because, yeah, Brad said it perfectly. The Texas A&M example last year. I think there's you know eight or nine of the same committee members out of twelve this year as last year. Vanderbilt's coming from a much more out of balance position than Texas A&M even was. Um, but not only that, it's a different year, and we're comparing different teams. Um, you know, I just think with their overall record of nineteen and thirteen. Uh, four nine in quad one, uh, two losses in quad three on top of the grambling loss in quad four. Um, they just have too much ground to make up. And, and their performance, uh, obviously, the resume is getting stronger and stronger. They've had some really nice wins, but um, their performance metrics also say they're an NIT team. And, uh, you know, there's just way more reasons to leave them out than to, to fully consider them when we already have teams that are we're going to have to leave out that are much better options. Now, let me play devil, devil's advocate here. And this is a question for either of you. I think, at least at the bracket preview for me, it felt like there was some recency bias that came into where teams slotted in there. So let's say Vanderbilt reaches the SEC cha championship game. 
which would be another two wins, I believe, both quad one. They will have won, I believe, 11 of 12, 11 of 13, including a loss in the SEC championship game. Does that mean anything to you guys? I mean, it does. And I think we <laughs> it should merit them consideration for a bid. But again, you know, as we always say, we're trying to do what the committee yep. does. Um, and we're trying to take, you know, different clues to how they, you know, select their field from previous years. And, you know, one of the clues is, you know, how you play the last couple of games in conference tournament isn't going to have a whole lot of effect on how you do. Um, so yep. while I think they, they have a resume that if they do reach the finals, they could, you could kind of compare them to, to Rutgers from last year because they have that poor net and they have those high quality wins um, and they have that Q4 loss, but I just don't see it happening. Yeah, I, I don't either. I think they played their well, way into a spot where they think they can have an argument, though. Um, and we'll see what happens from there. All right, yeah, they, could get a, they could get a number one seed in the NIT still. That's still in play. Very true, very true. Uh, I have two more for you guys, and then we can move to some games to watch here over, over the weekend. Although I'm pretty sure people can figure out what ones they are. Um, but you never know. Um, so let's take a little look inside of like scheduling and where teams can go. Um, Basically, can Iowa play in Des Moines as an 8-9 game against yes. if it's Kansas? Yes, they can. Yeah, so the rule there, uh, Dagan, is um, 75 miles. Um, it can't have a home court disadvantage. But in an 8-9 game, that doesn't even matter because that's only the protected seeds are only protected in the first round anyway. So we saw, just to give everybody an easy example, the year South Carolina with Frank Martin went to the Final Four. Um, they, they were a seven seed, of course, knocked off Duke as a two in their backyard of Greenville was not a, any kind of rule-breaking uh, scenario. Those rules haven't changed since from that standpoint. So Iowa absolutely can go to Des Moines. The only team that can't go to Des Moines is Drake because they're hosting the uh, first and second round. So with Iowa not being the host, they're good to go. Cool. All right, last one. Game that just went final. We talked about this team a lot yesterday, or a fair amount yesterday. Missouri just beat Texas or Texas. Tennessee. Um, to get to the semifinals of the SEC tournament. What, what are you guys' thoughts on, on the Tigers? Obviously, their resume is a bit a bit odd. Yeah, so I had Missouri. Go ahead, Brad. Sorry, Lucas. Uh, I had Missouri uh, heading into today as an eight seed. Uh, reason why I didn't really get them any higher, even though they don't have any bad losses and they have a pretty solid overall resume, is because they have a net of 48 coming into today. And typically, a team that has a net that poor doesn't get any higher than an eight seed. Um so now it comes to the question is, you know, does the Tennessee win boost them a little bit? It should, but will the committee make any consideration? I think they should. I think they can get onto the seven line, probably not any higher than that. Um, but yeah, that's a big win. But I think that that is actually a win that helps UConn uh, get onto the three line should yeah. they continue to, to win in the Big East tournament. That, that's where my head went as well for the for that UConn Tennessee debate we had um yeah and I think Missouri for me they were my strongest eight seed today um and you know you love the resume it's it's there's no losses outside of Q1 uh and now they've beaten Tennessee twice or um you know both times in the state of Tennessee so um that's super impressive uh obviously um raises more questions about how good Tennessee is without Ziegler uh, a lot a lot to be discussed there uh, but Missouri, yeah, I think as long as it gets uh, assessed and scrubbed tomorrow, even the committee themselves should look to move them up to a seven. If yeah, there's a, yeah. yeah, there's a few teams for me 
kind of like a Florida Atlantic, Missouri, West Virginia, Arkansas, all for varying reasons that I feel like will end up between a seven and a nine. I'd love to throw all of them on the eight line. Um, and Missouri is one of those teams that I just, I've put on the eight because I think they're probably going to be in the middle of that seven and nine range. Um, I think with the win over Tennessee today, that rules out the nine, um, at least in my opinion, how I think they should be. I think they're probably a sitting in a seven, eight. All right. That'll do it for me, fellas. We can get to games to watch or your favorite game to watch here over the weekend. We'll, we'll do something like that. All right. So we get into the games this weekend. I think there, there's one thing we need to discuss before we get into the games most note, I think honestly, honestly, is there a game more important over the next two days than Florida Atlantic UAB? Is that the most important game of the weekend? And, and if if not, let's talk about anybody else in that bid stealer mix. I mean, now we've got Ohio State, Clemson, Oregon. I think are all two games away from the field. Um, what do you think there in the bid stealer, and how does that change things if if, if an at large gets taken away? Yeah, I, I think. I think the FAU game is the most important game, that championship game. Um, a lot of other teams that are potential big stealers need two wins. Um, yep. So, you know, if you're on the bubble, you are rooting hard for Florida Atlantic um, because they're going to be in the field regardless if they lose. Um, and they're looking at probably an eight seed. Could could be anywhere between a seven and a ten, really. I have them as, a, as an eight seed at the moment. Um, so that's that's definitely my, my most important game. But... You know, there's games in, uh, you know, as you mentioned, Lucas, Ohio State, who's now in the semifinals of the Big Ten, they get a shot against Purdue. I don't think anybody would be shocked if they beat Purdue. I think the Big Ten, the way if you've watched the Big Ten all season, um, yep. there's a lot of parity. Um, Ohio State finished in 13, but they seem to be playing like the Ohio State that everyone thought they were going to be. Um, so, hey, if Ohio State wins the Big Ten tournament, they're in the field. And there's going to be one less at-large bid, which means one of those last four teams in will no longer have a place in the field. And and then Rocco, let's let's just say with UAB, Oregon, Clemson, Ohio State, that group of teams, if any of those win the their respective conference tournaments against the auto bid, do you see any of those teams climbing into an 11 seed type area? Or do you think all those are 12 or below? Hmm. Um, good question, because you know, with it being like Ohio State, I think would have to be twelve or below just because of their record. Yep. Um, so, the, the, oh, and I'll toss San Jose State in there too. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. San, San Jose State. Yeah, San Jose State it would be very interesting because um, you know we already have a group of really strong twelves and thirteens. San Jose State will likely be thirteen or lower, but man, um, if they get there, they have to beat San Diego State tonight and either Boise or Utah State. So their their resume is going to skyrocket themselves. Um, so, so I think San Jose state more than likely would just go into as a 13. I do think Oregon Clemson, um, 12 or higher, maybe even 11s for those two. And then Ohio state 12 or lower, just cause, uh, their record's not good. So I guess not necessarily a game to watch, but this is maybe for us. I, I don't know if it is for everybody else, but I feel like this Friday, Saturday, especially is almost as, as almost as excellent as the opening Thursday, Friday, March madness. And as you get into conference championship games tomorrow, what's a conference title game you're most looking forward to based on the league or what you think that, that a winner can do in March leading with Rocco? I know you're the mid-major guy, what you got, who are you looking forward to seeing most tomorrow? Well, man, there's two really amazing options out here in the West Lucas, because uh, I mean, the WAC has been tremendous all year. Uh, it outperformed the Atlantic 10, for example, which, 
I don't think anybody would have predicted before the year started. And we have, uh, there's, you know, the top two seeds are Sam Houston and Utah Valley, two mm -hmm. incredibly strong teams. Sam Houston right now, if you look at Ken Palm, 13th best defense in the country. Um, I mean, they are, they, they totally um, disarmed and frustrated Cal Baptist all day yesterday. Cal Baptist could not hit a shot. Um, and Sam Houston hasn't allowed more than 59 points in their last eight games. Um, that's a team that could give any five seed a lot of problems, plus their ball pressure steals, uh, you know, points off turnovers, allow them to build cushion in games. Um, so, so we'll see how they, they fare tonight. They'll play Grand Canyon. You also have Utah Valley playing Southern Utah. Those are four quality, quality programs, whoever gets there. Um, and just cause I'm, I'm so glad I let you talk about Sam Houston state and <laughs> beyond them. Um, you know, I'll mention the big West as well, just because I think all four teams are quality Cal state Fullerton's the hottest team in the league. They've played the best since February 1st. Um, and they get UC Irvine, their orange County partners. Um, so eaters and Titans are going to be a good one, four matchup tonight. And then you have UC Santa Barbara who probably has the best chance of having an NBA player and AJ Mitchell, uh, taking on UC Riverside with Zion Poland, possibly the best player in the big West this season, just put the Highlanders on his back. Any of those four are going to be awesome in the tournament as well. Um, so I'm, I'm more just excited about those semis tonight and whatever we get in the finals on those two leagues is going to be incredible. So as you pick your section of the, of the country, I'm in Indiana. So I'm about as mid America as it gets. So let's take me to the Mac. Yes. Um, I, I, I love the Mac this year, Akron, Kent state, Ohio, and Toledo are left. I, I think just on paper, Akron, Kent state and Toledo are all teams that can win a tournament game. If they get there, um, Ohio's won eight of the last 10, they're playing really well too. Um, I think whoever makes that championship game is going to make a, for a battle tomorrow. Um, and whoever wins that championships game is going to make it a battle on Thursday or Friday of next week too. Brad, who are you looking at tomorrow? I guess I'll go with the East coast. Cause that's where I am. Um, <laughs> and and, and I'll, I'll go with the Ivy league. Um, never a fun opponent to play in the NCAA tournament. You know, I'm looking at either Yale or Princeton as two teams that I can see knocking somebody off in the first round. Um, they're probably going to be either, you know, probably a 14 seed, could be a 13 seed, depending on who it is. I think Yale has a better shot of being a 13 seed, whereas Princeton could be a 14 seed. Um, but just because style of play, um, you're playing against a lot of a lot of smart kids, and uh, that's never a good thing. <laughs> um, so I, I think I think that's that's a championship weekend that I'm looking forward to uh, the Ivy League, just because um, anything can happen and. Uh, it's a, it's a different brand of basketball. Yeah. And if I'm going to shout out one more thing on the schedule for tonight, uh, shouts to Penn state and Northwestern for playing against each other in a Friday night game at the big 10 tournament. What a season for both teams um, to get themselves back to the NCAA tournament this year. I think those are our games to watch today. Anyone else got anything else? Yeah, I'll just say the Atlantic 10, um, they're taking the day off today, but they'll have the semis tomorrow. And then, of course, the Sunday final. And it's really intriguing. First time in a long time where only one team from that league will make it. Yeah. Um, but what, what we saw last night in the Fordham-LaSalle game was unbelievable. Um, never in a million years knew there was that many Fordham basketball fans, but they packed the Barclays Center. It was rowdy. And I mean, I know they will be underdogs uh, against Dayton. And then if they make it to the finals, probably the underdogs again. But with that atmosphere, I mean, the Rams have a real chance to take this bid. Yeah, and I think that will do it for this episode of Fielding the 68. Thanks so much for tuning in with us. 
uh, throughout the year. This is my last episode of the year, but the crew will be back live on Sunday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern time. We'll be releasing our final consensus bracket live on the show. Um, and up until then, keep following for updates. Uh, you can check all of us out, anyone that contributes. We'll be tweeting out our full consensus brackets throughout the next couple of days and releasing live at 5.30. Come and join us.